0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours.
1: Training camp is fully, actually here, and by here I mean St. Joseph, Missouri, not within the walls, these fictional walls of the Times Ours podcast, right here on The Athletic. Joshua Briscoe with you, Nate Taylor with you, Seth Kaiser with you, and we all, I mean, we have... Observations. We have training camp news. We got pressers and all of those things. And then today we got a bona fide actual signing of a pass rusher. We've heard of this is like football Christmas. Um, the weather at Christmas I prefer to the weather right now. But it, it, even even here it hasn't been all that bad these first couple of days of camp. So uh, I'm you know I'm sweating a moderate amount and enjoying the storylines. Nate, you've been out there every breath of camp so far. What's your uh, what's your fatigue level? What's your excitement level? Just a little a little wellness check here a couple days deep
2: no um i'm doing well you know it's 70 minute drives each way up and down Mm -hmm. uh I, i do it every day um to provide people the the information that they that they want and need about their football team uh that they care about but no it's it's been fine um the weather's been like okay so far um you know there was a little bit of an overcast today but we've seen two practices and i felt like you know, now's a really good time because my understanding is that the first padded practice, the first real football before the second semi-real football before actual football <laughs> on <laughs> September 11th, all of that starts on Monday. So Monday is the first practice with pads. Um, you know, as Eric bien has said before, As a number of coaches have said, nothing really matters until we we, got to see it with the pads. Um, So, look, we have a baseline now to to really operate from that I've seen so far over these first two days. Um, And I'm fascinated with just uh, understanding that, you know, Carlos Dunlap was clearly an option. Uh, He wasn't discussed a ton, um, but I think as we discuss it more, it will... I think to listeners to obviously readers of the athletic it'll it'll make sense the more you really get into it if that makes if that makes sense
1: I so I much. absolutely think that it does. I think that this is going to make all the sense in the world by the end of this show if you haven't uh, bought in yet. But maybe maybe we'll disagree. It's been a long time since the three of us have disagreed on anything, so that'll be exciting. Uh, Seth, is it just a breath of fresh air to you to have a, a veteran football player with NFL film that you're able to review for the newsletter? Because this, <laughs> this right here, this feels
3: like you're going to talk about Christmas. This is a gift. It is. I just want to thank Brett Veach and <laughs> Carlos Dunlap and whoever Carlos Dunlap's agent is.
2: Uh, that would for, be Drew Rosenhaus. It'd be Drew no, Rosenhaus, actually. I, believe it or not.
3: He's, oh, you know what? And I knew that too. You know. Yeah. So wait a minute. You're telling so me that an agent? Job. You're telling me that an agent with prior existing relationships to NFL GMs was able to get a contract done Ooh.
2: for a veteran?
3: Oh, that's that's just interesting. So moving hmm. on. Before oh, you move on, Nate, you go
2: first. Nate, you, hey, right. hey, Drew. Y'all have House. thoughts on this one? Kids, kids, kids. Drew Rosenhaus really good at his job. Really good at his job because he controls the day, and that's fine. Because this is legitimate news brought to you by Drew Rosenhaus. Um,
3: <laughs>
2: and and obviously, uh, this has been discussed for weeks. But understanding who you're negotiating with does have it, it does have its advantages. And I will now exit from the said discussion. <laughs>
1: Look, it, Nate, it needed to be said. I'm glad that you said it. Seth, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say that that's, that's great for experienced <laughs> NFL agent Drew Rosenhaus and his client, who is at training camp. Well, he's going to be, I would assume. Well, maybe we'll yeah, see the yeah. reports. He'll,
2: he'll, he'll, he'll <laughs> he will be there um, I, at some point over the weekend. Can you imagine if he
3: instantly held out? <laughs> That would be amazing. <laughs> I, here's the interesting thing to me. I didn't think Dunlap and a couple of other veterans who are on, available on the market. Because there was, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about the things that they accomplished and didn't accomplish this offseason.
2: Oh, come on, guys. Oh, Uh oh.
1: No, that's no, okay. It's, it's that's okay. It's Carlos fine. Dunlap's it's holdout fine. has begun. Nate Taylor <laughs> is <has the> exclusive <laughs> report <laughs> on it.
3: Um, so. Uh, on, I'm sorry.
1: I say I do apologize. It kind of cut you off, but Nate, if you, if you go ahead and answer Orlando's call, because I think we could really use that information. I assume it's him just telling you when he's going to show up. If you want to make that a pod exclusive,
2: look, I think that'd be huge. All he wants to say, and, and you know, everybody has different circumstances. You just try to use them to your advantage. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Now, look, if you want to go to the wall and you want to be paid the way you're ex- you, you you believe you should be paid, then you have the right to do that. Uh, and, you know, if Carlos Dunlap wants to play on a contending team because he's literally never done that in his career um and he can make more money than he made last year, which there's an opportunity for him to do that through incentives, then that is his prerogative to do that, too. So, um yeah, you know, it's just it's he'll be he'll be here, guys. He He will be here. There is no incentive for him to be here. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right now well, and that's that's the truth other than you know if you get the idea that that you know this is an important thing right in terms of and, and well, there are some well, andy, guys that andy will tell you that every rep is
2: is is the okay. most
3: important rep and he and, and andy i'm sure is a little displeased i mean orlando's <laughs> a, a little <laughs> orlando orlando's a veteran i'm sure he can come in halfway through training camp and do just fine like i'm sure it'll be fine I would just say the only incentive he has now is to absolutely crush it in 2022 and come back to the Chiefs and say, hand me two bags of money. (laughs) And to which if he crushes in 22, they'll say, absolutely, sir, here's your two bags of money. If he has a 2022, that would be interesting because I think that creates the whole thing. So then the question becomes, what do you think you need to do to have a great 2022? Or are you someone, is someone telling you, no, nah, you're so good that like, if you sat out the year, you would get this max deal. I pray to God, no one is telling Orlando Brown that because that would be terrible advice. And now I'm just speaking my fears into existence, but we were talking about Carlos Dunlap. I yes. can't believe you guys changed the subject. I'm um, we're here. So, with Dunlap, there, one thing that set my mind a little bit at ease, even after Melvin Ingram got signed away, uh, and we were all pretty nervous about the pass rush. Still am, by the way. Carlos Dunlap is not single-handedly going to make the pass rush really, really good. That's just not who he is as a player. Um, but we did note that there were some veteran competent guys still in the market. I just didn't expect any of them to sign at the end of the July. I figured if I'm Carlos Dunlap, it's like, man, it is hot in Missouri in August maybe i'll come in i don't know august 15th august 20th something like that so i'm glad they're getting it done now getting him into the system all that fun stuff and it does make me feel a little better about the upcoming season with the pass rush and all that stuff obviously i wish they'd brought in a couple guys but i feel i feel a little better Anyone who's wondering, I am three and a half games into his 2021 film. I'm going to look at six games over the course of the year. I have thoughts, uh, but I'm curious. Nate, you said this has been in for a while.
2: Yeah, so um, let me make sure I get all this correct, because, again, you know, this this was all communicated to me um, somewhat last night and, and obviously throughout today. Um, and I think I'll open this up to a larger discussion, too, but. Carlos Dunlap was sort of always an option. Um, I think the Chiefs were pretty aware that Carlos was going to be released because Seattle's in a full-on rebuild. Carlos is 33. He still has, obviously, some football left in him. He would like to maximize that on a contender. The Chiefs obviously had the possibility, and, and the name that I always remember, and I will try to you know keep with me as we go forward – is like obviously there was a chance that maybe potentially Jermaine Johnson would have been there for the Chiefs in the draft, which is someone that you can kind of keep your eye on with the Jets, but obviously they went and got Trick McDuffie. They were obviously comfortable with George Karloftis at 30th, and then the initial plan after that was to bring back uh, Melvin Ingram. Now, any executive will tell you, any scout. Uh, obviously coaches are somewhat involved, but this is more towards the offseason. And the business side is, you know, you can give Melvin Ingram what he wants to just assure his services, or you can play it out. And what I mean by that is you don't have to make a deal just to make a deal. And you'll hear that phrase a lot in, in football and in business just because, you know, teams obviously have a lot of leverage and you want to see, A, what's available to you in the draft, and B, there are still some trade discussions that happen shortly afterwards. One example of this, of course, is Lonnie Johnson joining the team from the Houston Texans. Now, once Melvin Ingram signs the contract with the Dolphins, even though you've already done this weird tender to try to put him into the compensatory formula for next year, um, at that point, it's like, well, do you want to trade for someone or do you want to see this all the way through? And there was about four or five names. Uh, Trey Flowers, I believe, was one. Uh, obviously, Ndamukong Suh was out there, but he didn't necessarily fit you know, the position and the profile that I think that they were looking for. Um, and so Carlos Dunlap was someone that was discussed in the middle of the second wave of free agency, during the draft, after the draft, and now... After Carlos sort of saw the landscape, he put the Chiefs at the top of his priority, which is why he, which is why the Chiefs were the first team he visited last night. And this is always the case. And I, and I, I wanted to tweet this out, but you never know because you are not in the room, and you know the player has the option because they're the free agent. But usually, eight times out of ten, not nine, but but a, a wide majority is if you are going to somebody's training camp. For a visit as a free agent, the hope is to get a deal done. And that is even more so in training camp versus like, hey, you know, Melvin Ingram's going to meet with the Dolphins just to get a feel, just to get a look, just see where the numbers are, you know, or, hey, this person's going to, you know, go visit with the Vikings, you know, in, I don't know, April or May after the draft. Like, those are to just give you an idea, whereas training camp is the season starting you want to know where you want to be um you've really given this some thought and now it's about you know obviously negotiating at a quicker pace than than you would do at at, at some other time of the year so i thought about tweeting that last night and like, it would be a it would be considered a failure for both sides if they don't get a deal done and so um it wasn't surprising to me that this came through um last night i'll be interested to see how the contract is broken down because Brett Veach, Chris Shea, Brian Tillis—the guys in the front office—they always have a sort of a format of like, "Hey, incentive led. You know, this is what you're going to get from a base standpoint, but hey, you can you can play your way into obviously more money through um, performance." Um, for Carlos, my understanding is this obviously puts him right into the mix to be a starter opposite of Frank Clark. This pleases Steve Spagnuolo to no end, guys. Oh, Steve Spagnuolo is so happy. Um, because <laughs> now he can pretty much bring George Karloftis on a more traditional pace. He does not have to start George Karloftis day one if George Karloftis is not like a Greek freak. God, I did it. Um, but, you know, during the preseason, right? He doesn't demand um sort of that that responsibility on him at such an early point in his career. Um, and then lastly, this is just, and and this is my question to you guys the team always has options in the off season, but one of the things that gets undervalued, depending on how you look at it. And this is, especially in the case of a contender, and this is basically what my article is about, but the idea that you can use patience as a tactic, you don't have to have your roster completely in order in late April, early May, which is right when the draft is over. And much of the top free agents are taken off the board. Um, you can sort of fix problems along the way. Obviously, Robert Quinn was an option, but I think the I think the Bears are going to want to maximize his situation going into the season, uh, which means you're going to have to wait until October or early November when the trade deadline comes to acquire his services, so that they can maybe maximize, you know, a second round pick or or whatever the situation is, or you know, if somebody blows them away with like you know a first round pick, which I wouldn't do. Um, okay, maybe you can get a deal done now. Um, So patience, and this is my question to you guys, do you think patience from the Chiefs allowed them to acquire a player that is A, better than Melvin Ingram, and B, didn't have to cost you anything in terms of draft capital moving forward?
1: I have a whole handful of thoughts, but but Seth is actually looking at Carlos Dunlap right now, so I'll let that pivot to you, Seth, to say – You you said earlier that he's not going to single-handedly turn this pass rush around, but also Nate just said he could end up being a starter on this team to allow George Karloftis the long runway. I have questioned if he could be a starter on this team while Frank Clark becomes a fully part-time player. I think either way between, uh, and also Dunlap played like a little less than half the snaps for the Seahawks last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll I'll get the exact numbers on that in a bit. but They rotate um,
3: the daylights out of guys
1: and Steve Spagnolo's no danger no no stranger to that. So um where where are you on the balance of the patients paying off versus maybe they were too patient and the group still isn't in a good enough spot. What does Dunlap bring? Where where are you at right now?
3: I would have loved to see them be more aggressive. I I think I was pretty open about that. I mean, they they really in my opinion Sorry, just charting a snap as an effective double team here. Um, <laughs> I, would have, I, I would have liked to see them be more aggressive with the pass rush. To me, I understand that they had dead money with Clark, but too much of their plan relies on him being competent this year. And I guess we, we've seen what competent looks like, and it's what Melvin Ingram looked like last year, which if everyone noticed outside of two, well, about three or four games was markedly better than Clark. And that that bugs me. Still bugs me, especially because if, if, you know, the plan is, okay, well, we'll make sure George Karloftis doesn't have to start, which I get because he's a rookie. That still means you might have Frank Clark taking 75% of the snaps and playing right. at replacement level. And
2: that's. They're, they're, they're also, and this is in the story too. They're also hoping that their patience with Frank Clark is rewarded with a more traditional Frank Clark season. If, and yes, it's an if, ladies and gentlemen, if he stays healthy, if he remains, you know, pretty consistent and obviously him knowing that it's a contract year, that that patience is going to eventually pay off too. that. That's just that's just their that's that's just what the team's. I, that's just the team's idea yeah. involved in, involving in all of this. And obviously, Chris Jones being the more do, being the most dominant force in the middle, you know, playing yeah. there pretty much exclusively unless there's a there's a very specific situation where they put him on the edge.
1: I hear you. And also, I hope that my patience pays off in the two cents of interest I get from my bank every month, that by the time I'm 55, it will be a billion dollars because I've been patient. You know, we're all being patient and hoping for the best in a lot of situations. I'm not sure it's the best investment strategy if I was advising the Kansas City Chiefs.
3: I heard a judge once say to a guy that was on his, like, his fourth probation violation, Um your references, for, your your touchstones, <laughs> culturally incredible man. I just yeah. gotta tell you that. Sorry. And uh, and the judge said, well, you know, he he said to the judge, I've got a plan. and you know, He didn't want his sentence to be executed because he was going to go for a few years. Um, the judge said, what's going to be different this time? He's like, well, I have a plan. He says, well, what's your plan? And and he he gave a version of, well, I'm just going to do better. And the judge said, that's not a plan, that's a wish. And it was a brutal moment <laughs> on a side note. Mm-hmm. i was like, I know the right direction this is going. Uh, just, just before anyone gets too sympathetic, genuinely terrible person. The underlying offense was really brutal. So he's mm. fine. Um, anyway, so the, the, the not a plan a wish thing comes to mind with Clark. But I get what his contract, in my opinion, maybe I'm way off base here. I think Frank Clark's contract is part of why the Chiefs are doing business a little bit differently these days where they mm. say, Here's the line. This is how far we can go. We're not going any farther because Frank Clark got Khalil Mack money when he was not Khalil Mack. And four years later, because of the way that contract was constructed, they didn't have a good out with him. Now, part of that was because they did a restructuring that they shouldn't have done, like in his mm. second year. That was a bad idea. But I, if, it, if it teaches you a lesson down the road, fair enough. And I think that's part of why the Chiefs, with most big contracts they have from now on, you're going to see an out after three years. You're just going to. Um, Except with Mahomes, because, you know, duh. But so here's the thing with, with Dunlap. We saw this last year with Melvin Ingram, what adding a competent body to the room can do. I have not decided yet whether or not Carlos Dunlap is better than Melvin Ingram. He looks equivalent but a very different type of player. He's got like 35-inch arms. Melvin Ingram's arms are like a foot and a half.
2: Yep. <laughs> I, okay, that's a little Melvin, bit wrong. Melvin Ingram is a brick. Let's just be real. Okay. <laughs> he, is, yeah. he, is like a, he is a living embodiment of a brick, okay? He's, he's
1: a
3: T-Rex, but you also wouldn't want to block a T-Rex. Of you Of know? course. <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, and, and Melvin Ingram has learned to be a highly effective, consistent pass rusher with like 31 and half, 32 32-inch arms. Highly unusual. Maybe even 30-inch arms. I can't remember. Whereas Dunlap, he his arms are ridiculously long. They're longer, he's got like the same arm length as Chris Jones, who is, you know, 6'6", 300 pounds. And so he, he they're very different style of players. He is much more a spags defensive yeah. end. Yes. Um, But, and, and it's like, and that's like, I had someone say to me, huh, a long-armed, mostly power rusher from Seattle. <laughs> and they were like, I was like, wait, wait, just, just hang on. He, there are some similarities in that respect. However, when I'm watching this film, he was a competent part of their pass rush rotation last year. Um, Not elite, not even what I would call high level, but competent. And we saw last year with the way complimentary pass rush works, what that can mean. So I I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much because this is going to be behind, you know, a paywall at the chief of the North newsletter. But what's the URL again? That would be bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. Cool. Um okay. and that that's to- Or mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Yeah, but that one will get you the $30 a year subscription. Instead, go to the one I said so you can subscribe for $12 a year. Unless you're pretty comfortable, then sure, pay me more money. That I appreciate the support. It kind of the Frank
1: Clark the of game. Chiefs Media, this guy. <laughs> He's willing to restructure, but he'd like, he'd like you to pay more if you can. Yeah,
3: exactly. So I, I think a guy like Dunlap, I would have loved, if this is the route they were going to go, I would have loved to see them get Two guys like Dunlap, right? Yeah, I would have loved to see them go get Akeem Hicks and Carlos Dunlap. I would have loved to see them get a pair of bodies to really not only uh, double your chances at getting a competent, but
2: bi- um, they could they they tried they tried to get Melvin Ingram um back on a rare uh free agency tender. That is true and well, Carlos th- Dunlap would have still been a part of the equation.
1: Okay. Oh. All right. That was going to be my
2: question.
3: That is interesting. Should have
2: just
1: let you finish your sentence. Think no, no, it's now. okay. It's
3: okay. So maybe if they find, I think there's one or two competent bodies out there still, I think that would be a really great idea. Um, One thing that's just worth noting is that Dunlap, he looks the most comfortable, and he spent most of his time pass rushing from the left defensive end spot
2: which hmm.
3: which is where Frank Clark usually lines
2: up. Which is why Spags today said it's going to take time for us to figure out who's going to be at what spot. And he said he suggested that that could be somewhere in weeks three, four and five, because obviously you need certain situations, a number of snaps, sample size and obviously effectiveness over time. Um, right. But Yes. You're 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 right on that. And I, I, I really believe that that's why Spags said that specifically today, hmm. um, you know, because do you want to switch Frank's role because he's obviously been in the defense for four years now, or is it a matter of sort of seeing what feels comfortable for both? And then obviously coming to a, a, a solution.
3: Right. That, and that is interesting. I do think bringing in a guy like Dunlap, who from what I hear has a good reputation among players. Like he's, he's a liked guy. He's a, he's a veteran that people have a lot of respect for. He's been, he's been a good pass rusher, For like 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that should help in the locker room, one would imagine. This can't be a surprise to Frank Clark. Like. No, no. I'm curious of the human dynamics of it all.
2: Like, for instance, Alex Okafor is still available. Yeah. Alex Okafor was still in mind, I believe, until obviously they feel like at this point, Carlos Dunlap is a better option. But to say that, you know, I, I think. It's funny. At some point you are you're relying on patience to sort of give you a better option over time. And then at some point, sadly the season starts and you say, Well, Carlos Tunlap is our best option. <laughs> but but yeah, but you're but I think you're I think you're on the right I, I completely understand your positioning, Seth. And I also am trying to explain sort of the Chiefs thought process.
3: Sure no that all makes sense it and and i'm very 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 i'm much happier with the chief's defensive line rotation now than i was uh a day ago
2: yes or or even or or, or the question now becomes is it better like if everybody stays healthy knowing the roles that they have is this a better defensive line obviously with Carl Loft is a part of it than what they had last year at the start of the regular season or at the start of this point you know in 2021 Right. Is it, Seth?
3: If I told you that I got a text message and I thought that you said something to me and not asked me a question, would you believe me? No. Yeah,
1: I mean, like, I assumed that before you admitted to it. I mean, I I just sort of assumed there was a distraction. As
2: soon as you asked the question, I was like, he didn't listen. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a text. I'm not a professional. Josh, Josh, you answer the question because you're the one in the room.
3: Yeah,
1: it it's yeah, this is not only is it better now than it was at this point last year, I, I yes. do think that the amount Oh, thanks, Seth. Well, you could have answered it earlier. It's kinda <laughs> it's kinda my turn now, I think. I just based on me being you know, uh the the biggest ability is availability. And I was available to answer Nate's question. Um, which is also my concern with Frank Clark. But I, I think that the difference between how I feel about this pass rush now as opposed to twenty four hours ago before the news of the uh of the workout was coming, is like More than it should be for Carlos Dunlap. Because I I think there's something to be said for like, hey, don't assume that this pass rush is suddenly going to be like exceptionally dominant now. But I think before today, first of all, they had to do this or some equivalent move. Like, I just think that was glaringly obvious. But now I think that this pass rush is... Below average, maybe still bottom 10 in football. And the doubt that I would have in there is because Chris Jones exists, so it could be higher than that. But the edge group in particular, just nothing but various different forms of question marks. But some of those questions have good answers. And yesterday, if you said, hey, this is the defensive end group in week one— I would have began formally predicting that eventually the Chiefs season would end because they couldn't get to the quarterback. And that's like because Frank Clark gets hurt and he can't play 100 percent of the snaps. George Karloftis might play 100 percent of the snaps, but he's a rookie. Right. The the other guys, I mean, Alex Okafor was a bare minimum. Uh, I, Mike Dana is a nice role player. The difference between having Mike Dana as your third defensive end and your fourth defensive end also feels like a tremendous jump uh, because all of a sudden now he is your second guy who rotates in, who can be strong against the run, and if if a quarterback runs into his arms, he'll grab him. But we kind of know what he is largely at this point, which isn't all bad by any means. Josh Kando, the difference between him being your fourth and fifth guy is a world, because your fourth guy has to play, and your fifth guy has to prove something, and maybe he could do a little bit, make a little bit of noise at some point. So I I just think the domino effect of this is is enormous, but when Seth, when you said, like, they still need to get another Carlos Dunlap— my thought that you guys have largely covered is that they already have one and his name is Frank Clark. Like you, if, if the chiefs would have signed Frank Clark away from the, the, the Seahawks this off season, if he would have the exact same career to this point, I think we'd probably be excited and say, Oh, they got a veteran with some upside. who's been hurt, but they can fix him. You know, I don't worry. I can fix him. Like that's, we would have been in that headspace for a new Frank Clark. We are in for, for Carlos Dunlap. George Karloff, this still decides, I think, the what the ceiling of this edge group um, and that we don't think that he had the highest ceiling out of the guys in his draft class or even kind of in that range. So I I feel like now there are three or four, maybe three and a half like adult defensive ends on this team, despite one of them being a rookie. And that is a jump from where they were yesterday. So I I think that I don't I I don't want to overstate it. Because it's both of these things, but I think I think Carlos Dunlap can only move the needle so much, but I think that the difference in this group from yesterday to today is actually kind of enormous. I know that sounds like it's
2: conflicting, but i'm uh, no. I'm a conflicted person that's that's totally why it's why it's interesting and fascinating, honestly, because I think both things can be true
3: yep and and the reality I'm paying attention again. Um, the reality of past If you could crush, just let
1: me know every time you check in or check out, it would really, I'll just, well, that'll really yeah, help move the show a I'll more. like,
3: I'll like, I'll develop a signal. Like when I'm, when I'm going out, I'll be like, Caw-caw! and when I'm back in, I'll make some other animal noise. It'll be great. <laughs> what I've assumed um. to this point. Oh, by the way, holy bleep. This
1: is our 200th episode of Times Ours. Woo!
3: Hey, oh, you guys know
1: hey, that. hey, uh, producer extraordinaire Kent told me that last episode was 199, and I thought, oh, I'll remember that. And then I remembered it partway through. Um, so what I've been doing for 199 episodes, Seth, is that whenever you're
3: not talking, I assume you're not paying attention. That's fair. Um, not only, hey, could you maybe put that on a t shirt and mail it to my wife? <laughs> 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 Seth's not talking, he's not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to chart these snaps. I'm through five games. And then I got a text from a friend that was like, hey, Seth, I really need your help. And I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, ah, no, Nate's probably going to take the ball and run with it. I feel terrible, but it's very appropriate for our 200th episode. Um, your friend was like, I don't know what to think about Carlos Dunlap. And you're yeah, like, man, yeah, just was, please wait. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, I can't do three things. I can't even do two things at once. I, I do. the The thing to me that I'm trying to figure out is is Carlos Dunlap's 2021 film better than Frank Clark's 2021 film? Mm. Is it equivalent to Melvin Ingram's 2021 film? Because that's going to matter. Because what Frank Clark produced for most of last year, I would not be particularly excited about if the chief signed him. Like, I, I might look at, like, his pressure stats or something like that and say, oh, maybe. Um, but overall most of that just depends on what games. Cause again, there were, there was like a three or four game stretch where he played pretty well. Like him and Ned Ingram were playing equivalently well with Clark, maybe even outplaying him. But for the rest of the year, honestly, he was, he was Alex Okafor. He was mm. a replacement level player. And I, mm. that that's no disrespect to Alex Okafor. I, I guess I feel bad that I framed it that way, but that's just what got put on film last year. So that I, I do think I like the way you're talking about how, individually it's just one guy but collectively that matters a great deal because you're not looking to just add a strength you're looking to get rid of a weakness Mm. and that's a big deal in terms of how things look overall because it pass rush affects everything and if you can uptick your overall pressure numbers like five or ten percent that matters a lot and if yep. you can you know make it 5 or 10% of the time you're mu- you're more likely to get a sack as opposed to just a hit or a hit as opposed to just a pressure every one of those things it's kind of a little more of a domino effect so it really is about more than just one player and that's why what melvin ingram it- a a decent but not great pass rusher, seemed to add so much to the defense because it's not just about what he does uh, by himself on that one play. It's how that affects everyone else and the percentages that changes in terms of pressure. Anything else on the Carlos Dunlap front or should we move on to the rest of camp? I do. I was curious about one thing. Do you think they put an addendum in his contract that Mm. he needs to watch the film or it uh, yeah, technically ugh. technically just today i fulfilled part of kyler murray's i was i was gonna actually i
1: you got you got mentioned i don't even think you got tagged but like multiple tweets i saw whenever <laughs> i was tweeting about the <laughs> kyler murray stuff was like seth does that on like a tuesday what are we doing
3: <laughs> i think it's really disrespectful that you guys expect me to watch film before i write about players um can i give my so here's my counterculture take on the kyler murray thing here's
1: here's i'm gonna say something obvious first and then maybe the less obvious thing that people get mad at me for saying first of all if kyler murray has made it to this point and he's been watching less oh, than four hours of film oh, independently throughout his nfl career whoo, first, first of all that boy is of all that's amazing.
3: level good <laughs>
1: yes and yes. then whenever he does finally like turn on the tv but not for call of duty or whatever <laughs> um whenever he does do that he, he will literally be like seven patrick mahomes is i suppose So that's not maybe seven of him stacked on top of each other would be. (laughs) Yeah, like if if he has not been doing the the bare minimum independently to this point, hey, that's on him. And the fact that it's his contract is embarrassing, but the Cardinals would be justified if that was the case. If. If what he said in his press conference today, which I think is a very reasonable thing. I do not know Kyler Murray. I don't know what happened here. But I think it's reasonable for him to say, there's no way I would be here this good signing this contract if I had not been watching independent film like myself. If that is true, his beef shouldn't be with the media or with Twitter. It right. should be with the Cardinals and right. his agent. What are, the, what are no. the Cardinals doing? Like – and if you if you're the Cardinals and you really are afraid that he's not watching enough film, Why'd you still just gave that man over a hundred million guaranteed. Like that, what a weird person to entrust your franchise with. Hey,
2: look, look, there's been there's been no one that I've talked to, and this is somewhat relevant because hey, on September 11th, the Chiefs will open their season in glendale to play the cardinals um and will <laughs> kyler murray know who they're playing i don't know <laughs> well it's early and it's early in the season so
3: cliff will actually have a good game plan so that's unfortunate you want to play the cardinals like in the second half of the year Ugh. and you'll blow them out of the water early Ugh. in the year they're tough
2: is but will will be will hot be there <laughs> no, right He will
3: not oh man i forgot about that that's He's the other the side of this Look, just on a side note I don't know if there's a bigger gap between Ooh. what a player looks like when he plays and what the results in some ways have been than Kyler Murray as an NFL quarterback. Because when I watch him play, I'm like, holy crap, that dude is good. And then, like, I look at the results, like, when D-Hop doesn't play. and I'm DeAndre like, Hopkins, though. The, yeah, no, no. Hopkins is a stud. But, like, you shouldn't, like, become, like, you know. Kirk That. Yeah, you shouldn't become bad Jay Cutler-esque in terms of how your stats swing. Cause they swing bad. At least Kirk puts up numbers. He puts up numbers. I, I'm i here, I'm from Minnesota. I gotta defend Kirk Cousins on
1: it. you see what no, you Mike don't. Zimmer no, said?
3: No you don't.
1: No you don't. No you Honestly. don't.
3: Honestly. Kirk Cousins watches the film guys. Kirk Cousins is putting in eight
2: hours Hey day. Kurt, it's third and eight. Why are we checking down to the yeah. fullback? <laughs> Okay, he does do that. that, that that's <laughs> that's <hard>. my <laughs> You know what but, Kyler ain't gonna do? Check it down. Kyler well, looking for big plays all day, every day. But <laughs> but if you watch four hours of tape, Kyler, there's this guy that wears 99 with a blue and white jersey with, with a little sprinkle of yellow in it. You might want to be aware of where he is at all times, because usually it's in your face mask. Okay, that's where he is. So just just just... Uh, but again, I just no one no one knows what the Cardinals are doing, and I, that's the whole point, ladies and gentlemen. Don't look at the quarterback, look at the GM who somehow decided to do something that is counterproductive to the actual goals of their season, which is to it? embarrass the quarterback yeah. on a football team. What are the Arizona Cardinals doing? doing you have jj watt and at his twilight guys
3: what are we doing just just trade jj just let him out like you know what i mean like let him go i I do think because there's only a couple possibilities here right it's either they really thought that was necessary and if that's the case a are you kidding with 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 an extension and also why would you leak it because that makes everyone look bad. It makes him look bad, and it makes you look bad for giving him all that money if you don't think that he watches four hours of independent film oh, for No, leave. it was
1: it was going to come out that that, that contract. I s- specifically saw somebody say like that if you're an employee of NFL Network, you have more access to that sort of thing. As you yes. I don't know, I don't yes. know what any of the actual steps of that are, but that is, I hadn't heard. Yeah, that. That, my oh. understanding is that's true. Yes. Also, I would like to quickly clarify that Mike Zimmer did not um, say that he wanted to punch Kirk Cousins in the face, and that I, upon further review, I did see that very quickly doing radio today, and I <laughs> just looked back to see, and I'm. It's not it's not ballsack sports, but I think I've been ball sacked. I think there's no mm. more clean way of me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that sack was full of balls. It was just, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's a it's, uh, it's yeah, it's a sack of balls. I don't see the problem there. Um, I lost my train of thought after that. Sorry.
3: I would believe it if Mike Zimmer said that about Kirk Cousins because you could see it in his eyes. They had the
1: altercation on the sideline. I was I was hoping that there were more details. It just sounds like. Uh, People have said that Mike Zimmer snapped. And that has actually been said by
2: people on the record. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, unrelated. You you mentioned Kirk Cousins and I was. And ladies and gentlemen, he's a defensive coach. So imagine how that felt. No kidding. Oh my
3: (laughs) goodness. But I I'm sorry that I added that in there. But that is one of the most unbelievable things I've seen. And I would really give a lot to like know what led to that being in there. And I mean, he signed it. Like. I mean, he had to have seen that addendum. And this is where, I mean, I tend to try to give almost everyone the benefit of a doubt. Like, I don't understand why he didn't go to his agent and say, what the crap is that? Right. And like, and and maybe his agent just said. His
2: agent also represents the head coach. Oh, good Lord. So, I mean, (laughs) you know. It's it's this complicated. Is why, this
3: is why you get an agent who has no relationship with anyone what in the so NFL ever. That <laughs> way, you will never, you will never see a clause like this <laughs> in an Orlando Brown contract because his agent would be like, "I didn't even know you could do that." Um, and I think I feel like that's how every agent. That has tweeted about this, every reporter, every whatever has been like, I didn't even know that was a thing. You can no put one has contact. ever heard of this, which is the other, like the Cardinals made this up. Yeah, it's a fake thing. It's like a pretend thing. It reminds me, I'm doing all the 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 court things today. Is he gonna I, have I, Net I, Nanny I, on his iPad? I don't get it. I, I filed a motion to reconsider after a bad ruling, or what I viewed as a bad ruling. And my, my boss comes into my office, he's like, So you filed the motion to reconsider. He's like, what what rule is that under? Are we allowed to do that? I was like, no, it's not even a real thing, but he might do it. So I might as well try. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, totally did it. So I mean, why not shoot your shot? Who cares that it's not a thing? It's a thing now. I just don't get like, how does that not like, become a conversation where it's like you know that's a weird thing to have in that kind of contract that really is the equivalent of like my boss sending me an email being like you know by the way we really need to have as your next contract that uh, I need you to stay up to date on child protection law it's like uh yes
0: yeah we'll I do will boss do,
3: thank you thank you boss and you cannot play video games while you read cases like <coughs> what what?
1: Yeah. So here's – because if, if the other thing is if, if that was in there, you'd be like, yeah, that's a sure thing. But your contract wasn't about to be public to the rest of the lawyers in the world to say, wait, why is it nice. have to have it? The, if I was going to provide one other, like, potential defense for Kyler Murray, he, it might have been that, like – might he might have looked at that and gone, yeah, obviously. But then it comes out well, and sure. everybody reads into it this way. But the Cardinals had to put the stuff about the video games in there, like that. It, either, either there's something going on there, or the Cardinals were writing fan fiction. It's just bizarre.
2: Yeah, it 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 doesn't make any sense. But hey, this is all super duper interesting because you know the the Chiefs get the first crack at the new and improved Kyler Murray. As they tell us, <laughs> that dude is going to be so dialed in. I'm just looking forward.
3: How See, Patrick Mahomes never dunks on people this way, unfortunately, although there was a segment where it was talked about that maybe Kyler Murray is better than Patrick Mahomes, so maybe what would a celebration look like that Mahomes could later plausibly or not plausibly deny was about Kyler Murray that would be him watching film (laughs) because that would be a funny celebration after a touchdown. I just don't know how you do it. You have the receivers all stacked together and pretend to be a TV. I don't know.
1: I think you get a lineman to come sit behind it, like go hands and knees so Mahomes can sit <laughs> on him and then pretend like pantomime playing a video game. That's what, that's what I would do. And then he could just be like, oh, no, it's just, that was just like playing a video game because like a video game out here. It's like, well, Patrick, yeah. you, you did that after the game-winning touchdown against the Cardinals after Kyler Murray threw four interceptions. They won the game did seven, nothing apparently. Oh, yeah, you know what? I mean, look, uh, Kyler's great. You know, we go way back.
3: Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. when Cliff, he Cliff Kingsbury has the wasted county. both of our
1: talents over the years.
3: Oh, that is so... Yeah, Cliff... <laughs> we have a lot in common. Cliff owes us a truckload of cash. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm sorry that it to waste so much time on that. I've just never seen anything like that. And it makes you wonder, like what... Like you said, they're either writing fan fiction or something. There was some kind of... I don't know. There was some kind of, like, miscommunication... Or there's some finger pointing going on behind the scenes, which, of course, never happens in NFL organizations that underachieve. <laughs> right, right.
2: So yeah, I, I just have, yeah. This is the last thing I'll say on this. I have obviously some assumptions about this because obviously publicly it doesn't look great. Um, and these are sub these are assumptions. I don't know the inner workings of the organization, but it seems to me that generationally, uh, which is kind of what Josh was getting to earlier. The money is supposed to make you do things. <laughs> How can we get you to do something that we deem to be standard or procedural or things that don't even have to be said? And, um, yes, obviously it's embarrassing from the player's standpoint, but this just all feels to me like, um, trying to make the money force someone into embarrassment into doing something that otherwise they should be motivated to do upon their own excellence mm-hmm. because they they have a reputation and a and a standard for their for themselves to sort of set and live by um because, you just because in football it's it's a team sport it's not individualistic there are individual parts of the job based on your position stature but it's it's the ultimate team sport Like, so why are we, like, again, generationally, why are we trying to money whip somebody into doing something that um, should be about the team and not the act of forcing someone into doing something because you're giving them um, large amounts of money that they've already earned?
3: You So basically what you're telling me is what they should have done instead was played a video clip of Don Draper saying, that's what the money is for, rather (laughs) than... Rather than adding it as a clause. You just madman Kyler Murray. Yeah, and I
2: love it. The, but the clause is only to the clause is only meant to probably embarrass. It's it's a weird thing where, like, you think you're embarrassing someone. And in fact, you're you're more showing everybody how embarrassing you are.
1: That. Yeah. I, we my, can leave it. Would, we would leave that my, there.
2: Yeah, would be my view on all of this.
1: I, boy, I tell you what, if that is what that was for, and you thought that I would like to embarrass my quarterback in the middle of giving him what I have to presume is the largest contract in Arizona Cardinals history, I would like to get in a little barb thrown his direction while we're at it and totally sour the mood in the entire organization, literally immediately. Um, I might not have handed down all those extensions if I was the owner of the Cardinals.
3: That, that kind of, uh, well, you know what? Because now, now I could start speculating on a million things. I just I'm curious stuff like that getting thrown in when organizations have some underachievement, you do get backbiting and you get, well, you know, it's because this guy's not doing this, this and this. Well, okay, well, how can we fix that? Well, put it in his contract. Well, okay, I guess we will. Since we since you're saying that's what the problem is person who is part of this imaginary conversation who might not understand optics very well based on things that he's done in the past, like showing his palatial house during the draft or something like that. But what do I know? Also Kingsbury and Steve
1: Kine both got contract extensions in March.
3: They did. And oh,
1: Kyler yeah. got
2: his They're just totally now. How, how, how many playoff games have, has this trio won together? I, I believe that's a fat zero. So, Let's, the, the let's, are let's, so keep lucky. let's keep an eye on things in, in, in Glendale. Let's just, you know, just keep, a, keep, a, keep an eye. You know, like, you might want to see where this goes. Chiefs fans
3: are so lucky, and you see things like this. And, and it's not like the Chiefs organization does everything perfectly. There's things that they should do better, there's things that I wish they did differently. But generally speaking, you do have like adults in the room where like there's going to be some adulting that occurs. And that usually keeps things from getting too out of hand. And I feel like that's the risk we're about to see what's going on. We'll see if there's adults in the room in Arizona in the coming weeks. The GM, head coach, and quarterback all signed enormous contract extensions this
1: offseason, and it kind of feels like the least stable organization in the NFL. Like, it's not because the Panthers and the Texans exist and all of that, but like... <laughs> yeah. that's of the, of, just, of the teams that are trying to win. Yes, yes yeah, of teams, of teams who aren't quarterbacked by a, a, a guy that... Any of the guys who no other team would take for money. Like, yeah, that other than those teams. Just absolutely nuts.
0: Um, we, we, we
1: have now spent most of our time on Dunlap and Kyler Murray, but I think that Nate, what you had to say there is, is new for, for my ears. And I, uh, I think that story is an absolute, absolutely worth our time. Uh, but I, I do want to hear if there's anything that has absolutely leapt out to you from training camp. And I know a couple of guys that have shown out a little bit already are ones that Seth wrote about in the aforementioned chief of the North newsletter in part two of this little series of, uh, looking at, at who has the most to gain or the most mm-hmm. to lose most to gain the, the most recent one up in the newsletter. So give me, uh, give me a couple of guys that have shown you something that, that you have found noteworthy, Nate. And then Seth, you can pick one of those to, uh, to, to maybe dig in
2: a little deeper on, uh, among the uh the group that you wrote about in the newsletter. Okay, so first things first, the we not in pads. Like take this and 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 understand we still got a long way to go between now and July. Excuse me, between now and August 30th, which is cut down day. The guy that just jumps out to me because he has an opportunity and he seems to be seizing it pretty well through two days is Joshua Williams. Um because he's their tallest defensive back. Like I, I looked this up, he's six three. He's got very good speed for his size. Um, he's technically sound. Um, you know, I think Justin Reed yesterday sort of explained how his footwork is is as precise as you could want from a rookie. Understanding that the speed of the game is going to increase, you know, as we move forward. Um, Ronald Jones, in some just passing concepts, has looked really nice. Uh, again, haven't seen running. You know, you're not running through the tackles because you don't have pads on. Um you know, I think Justin Reed had a good day yesterday. Uh, he had a little bit of a, you know, lower leg injury of some sort, but he should be fine. Um, I get the sense that with Juju Smith-Schuster, much like I used to tell people, like, always watch where Travis Kelsey lines up, and that usually gives you kind of a, an idea, a feel of, like, what the offense is, is you know, sort of presenting. Um, Juju is now sort of entering that world where, I think he's really excited about lining up all over the place. There are some snaps where he's next to Kelsey and you go, hmm, how much are we going to see this all year? Which I think is going to be a lot. Um, he's performed well. <sighs> Willie Gay is just an athletic freak. I just mm. I just want to see more of it. Obviously, the durability is pretty much the last major concern. Um, I think he has chances to obviously create more turnovers with that speed, but he's done really well so far. Uh, everybody's impressed with Nick Bolton, but that's really no surprise. I'm kind of just going through guys in my head. Um, you know, Jody Fortson. Hello. It's training camp. We're back. And, uh, oh, fourth season is here. I mean, oh. Jody Fortson is like running with the ones and the twos. He's sort of splitting his reps mm. in half with both units. Um, to put been, an explicit tag on this episode. You gotta be it, careful. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really fun to see. um, you know, the, you know, the thing with him, he's coming back from the Achilles, so they've got to, you know, be mindful about how they manage his body as part of the run-up to the preseason and the regular season, of course. But the way Andy Reese speaks about him, like, he's just on the team. Like, it's just like, oh, I don't even have to, like, until proven otherwise, like, he's just on the 53 kids. Like, that's just where we are. Obviously, this is year four of him with the organization as a whole, so he should know every in and out of the offense. And Andy Reid was just like, look, Pat, trust him. And how many guys can say that right now because there's so many new guys in the skill position? People have said that Sky Moore is really, really fun to watch. I agree. For as much as he was built as a catch-everything receiver, he hadn't caught everything just yet. So Mm. maybe things are going a little fast. I appear to be probably on the more critical side of sky Moore right now, just because I can see the ways where he can improve. Um, but there are the, he put a route on today that I think was on Deandre Baker. And that probably let me know Deandre Baker, not long, if this is Mm. how it's going to go. Um, but the route running, the wiggle, the leg, the power from the legs, it's all there. Um, it's contested catches. It's consistency. Um, it, it may take a little longer than people want, but when he flashes, I think it's going to be exciting to watch. That's what I've got so far, Phyllis. You've had a tad tad. tad. I, the only one that I'm going to jump onto
1: real quick is you mentioning Joshua Williams. And I would just like to say that if he does end up being a, an impact player early on, uh, we just need credit for that. So just feel free to say, like um, as predicted on times ours before yep. the draft, Josh, Chiefs cornerback Chiefs Joshua Williams... Um, Josh, you could say every time someone says the name Joshua Williams, you could just yell in the background Fayetteville State. Like any way you want to pay tribute to us is fine, <laughs> um, but I had to eat a lot of hey. wheat for a long time for the Clyde pick because I was very very wrong. I deserved it, hey. but I just think we need credit on Josh Williams.
2: Hey, they they they, they tried they tried to sniff us and, and take us elsewhere, but we knew where the scouts were. We knew we where the knew. scouts were. We, we knew
1: they they threw some a uh, huge smoke bomb with <laughs> Trent McDuffie. You know, frankly, I'm not sure Trent McDuffie is going to play for the Chiefs this year. Right, it's all I mean, about I mean, hiding on. Joshua Williams until week one. Kyler Murray won't even know who he is. Right. So
2: the uh, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Seth. (laughs) The the best thing about Tripp McDuffie is he is always in the picture. And that's a really good place to start. Um, What he does from skill ball standpoint, from obviously creating deflections, from not obviously getting a little too handsy, that's all going to have to, you know, be ironed out. But he's always in the picture. And I, I really appreciate that because when he's ran up against Sky Moore, in the picture, when he's ran up against Travis Kelsey, hey, that dude's bigger than me, but hey, I was there. Um, there's a highlight today where MVS catches a really nice contested uh, touchdown near the, you know, the front of the goal line or front of the end zone. But guess who's right there? Trip McDuffie. So now it's all about, Hey, if you, if you, if you fix your, your footwork a certain way, if you recognize things a little bit quicker, you know, all these little things add up to like a half second, which means you might be arriving in a better position when the ball is in place or, you may give yourself a better chance for the quarterback to look elsewhere because you've covered that player so well. But again, uh, Patrick Mahomes is, is is targeting him a lot, and I like the idea that like he's not making a lot of plays, but I don't think he's making a lot of s- mistakes physically. It's just the idea that like, hey, higher, highest level you can go, kid, and you're still in the picture. So that's a great place to start. Because I watched Deion, I, I, I I'm really rooting for DeAndre Baker because we all saw his leg injury. Yeah, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just you just like like, man, it's just I'm just glad this man can walk and I'm being dead serious, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, let alone him trying to compete for like the back end of a roster spot. But like, here's a kid who's had no health issues and is pretty athletic. And here's a guy who's trying to gain he was trying to regain athleticism when his leg was broken. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's this is just the reality that that the circumstances are are presenting to us. Um, but you watch Trent Duffy and you watch DeAndre Baker and they're two different players, even though they were both selected in the first round of the NFL draft. Hmm
1: uh seth anyone anyone there you want to latch on to here real quick one of those names mentioned early on you wrote about it, somebody with a lot to gain i don't you can also go off the board if you'd like
3: um they i mean they you guys covered so much stuff there I'm, I'm i'm sometimes i just sit there and i'm listening i'm like man this is really interesting I, so that's I, actually I, what yeah. happened there that wasn't me checking out this was actually the opposite you guys are too good at what you do um i would say feels like stalling masterclass the 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 biggest thing the, the problem for me even with like receivers and defensive backs is pads aren't on right and there is a big difference between getting open without pads and getting open with pads for one thing guys just move differently in pads um that's one thing that makes like McCole hardman because we're only going to talk about guys who are still on the chiefs McCole hardman's unique in that he's a dude that ran a blazing fast 40 time and is still blazing fast when he's wearing pads mm-hmm. not everyone can do that um and other guys have problems running through contact of any sort right it's just hard it's hard to run when you got you know josh williams six three butt hanging on to you like that's very difficult Josh, I cannot believe you were not breaking in with a comment about a 63 butt. I
1: I I fully thought it, processed it and decided to holster it because it felt like I've interrupted you a lot today and you were on a roll.
3: I've I've enjoyed it. But if so, his entire butt was
1: 63, I I he would either be the greatest football player of all time or I think literally like a a medical emergency.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you you are in serious trouble. Um, I, I'm really interested in Juju Smith Schuster in this offense. Cause he's a guy that we know with pads on actually fits his style of play better. Like, so to see him doing well with the padless practices, that that's really good to see. One thing that I thought was interesting was on some of the, and these are just, you know, the things that you can see on Twitter, you know, they, they obviously don't televise the entire practice. Um, I would, I was interested in seeing some of the, the passes that went his way were deep shots. And they were, you know, some slot fades and a few, one looked like a, a post corner. Um, those are things that are interesting, right? And I think it's interesting, the idea that he could work a little more of the field, kind of be the more move around guy, along with Travis Kelsey, having two guys that you can do that with, that could be really interesting with MBS, maybe having a little more of a of a niche role. So I'm curious about that. And, and I'm excited too, because really for everything that's gone on this off season, people seem to have forgotten that Juju Smith-Schuster is an injury and a year of eh, playing with Ben Roethlisberger's corpse of being considered one of the best up and coming receivers in the league. But now it's like, Oh no, he's washed. It's like, he's 25. I mean, maybe he's one of those dudes that got hurt and will never regain explosion again. Could be, it happens, but he, that's kind of an underrated signing in some ways with in terms of the ceiling, right? The floor could still be kind of but the ceiling there is higher than people realize. So I'm interested in him. Um, and I, of course, am interested in Jody Fortson because it doesn't like, it. so it really doesn't even seem to be a question. Like this year, like, nah, he's going to make the team. Like this is, this is, hey, sorry, Noah Gray. That That's a bummer for you, but he does everything you do and he's better at it. So. Hey, hey, Nate. Yes.
1: The 6'3 butt is what I'd call Seth if he was seven inches taller. Mm.
2: <laughs> what was that about? Good seems, Lord. Seems. I, I seems, wanna like you, get def- seems like you got a good comp there, Josh. <laughs> if, if
3: I get defensive right now, I will just be fulfilling the short guy cliche. <laughs> and I won't do it. I won't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't hear a word you said because I realized that that was gonna be my follow up about about a minute and a half ago, and I've just been sitting here trying not to giggle into the microphone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that is <laughs> seven inches taller. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I. But anyway, I, so I'm interested in some in issues. Oh, we're well, so, in <clears throat> so there, there we go. Uh,
1: here, real quick. I'm gonna let me put a bow on some things, and then I need you guys to both in, it just it, to resume a conversation that we were having just before the show began. Yep. So first of all, if you want to continue reading all of Nate's updates from camp, that's on The Athletic. That's com. Maybe you've heard of it. You can go check that out there. Uh, plus, Nate on Twitter is at By Nate Taylor. Um, Seth also. Some some extra special stuff cook. And you can follow Seth on Twitter at real MN And of course, the Substack is mnchiefsfan.substack.com. You can subscribe for 12 bucks for an entire bleeping year. And it saves that price all the time. It's ridiculous. Uh at bit.ly slash Seth Money. That'll take you directly there. And then I am on Twitter at JB There's no E at the end. Please don't put an E at the end. Now, with that all out of the way, this can be the outro. You guys can talk about it however long you need to. I might leave the room, frankly, because I don't need any more uh, Hall of Fame quarterback heat. But this Uh-oh. is the time for you guys to find it. Shout out to our friend Real Bird Lawyer on Twitter for being the uh, the onus behind all of this a while back. But uh, it has been rejuvenated. There has been a discussion about John Elway, and yes. um, I think you both really have a desire to speak on that. So I- I'd like for you to both do that here at the end tonight.
2: All right, so this is uncharted territory in time ours history. Obviously, as we uh, finish our two hundredth episode, thank you to everyone who has listened to even one of these things, let alone two hundred. Um, <laughs> Seth hasn't know, even listened to two hundred. Of course, I mean times ours uh, is is obviously just something that we hope brings you delight. Mm. With that said. <laughs> I can't believe that you guys have asked me to defend John Elway's honor. <laughs> and uh, look, I understand, like I I read the thread. It is detailed. I appreciate the perspective. As we talked a few weeks ago, Josh, or maybe I don't know how how long ago this was. Look, there was a there was a sport that involved Jerome Bettis, okay? Like the sport is just different now. Mhm. Generationally, we are watching different football, and you have to keep that in mind. And I think that's just the major pushback that I have on all of this. Um, because I'm not saying Denver built great teams, honestly, they didn't for a long time. Um, but I do get the sense that John Elway was really good. <laughs> like, really good. And the drive obviously leading just kind of all right teams to the Super Bowl and then getting smashed <laughs> <laughs> by better NFC teams kind of is all I need to really do my argument for. Um, and it helps that, yes, you know, even in the twilight of his career, uh, he can still physically get to a place where. Um, he could let Terrell Davis carry him on his back to a Super Bowl. Thank
3: you, Seth! School this fool! <laughs> I've had about enough of this propaganda! <laughs> I'm sorry. I only have like two minutes left before I'm going to be live with Ryan Tracy. Make and it gonna... two good hot minutes! So here's wow. one thing I would okay. note.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: I'm sorry, here I go. have to do here this. This is my to, argument. You, Nate,
1: you have to. All Seth's here, here got us two good hot minutes.
3: This isn't even. This isn't even my argument. Birdlaw, my buddy Austin, good dude, good lawyer. He and I chat about stuff. Perfect He's a lot of logic. Correct here's take. what I would say. Yeah, it was a different era. So there were 19 different quarterbacks that started 100 plus games between 1983 and 1998. That's John Elway's career. Right. 19 different dudes. Same era. His completion percentage among those guys, 16th. What? His touchdown percentage, 13th. Interception percentage, 10th worst. QB rating, 14th. Get yards per attempt, 10th. <sighs> His adjusted net yards per attempt, 11th. Now hey, Seth, you're 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 the film guy. You don't like statistics because they don't paint a whole picture. Over the course of 15 years they do though. When you of- can't be even an average quarterback for 15 years that says something. I'm just saying, I look, I didn't believe it, but those numbers are hard to argue with. You basically, it's like, oh, well, he let he's all-time winner at quarterback, you know, before Tom Brady obliterated all those records. Did you know by the time that by you have, have you seen the chart? How many interceptions John Elway had thrown by the time he threw hundred touchdowns? Ninety-five. <laughs> it's a
2: different era, Seth. I but mean, if you I, look at, I, then why I, are the I,
3: other guys from his era so much better? Why was he sixteenth out of nineteen? He's not even Eli Manning statistically compared to his peers. He's like this would be like if I went back and argued that I don't even I can't even think of a comparison. But even from the guys from his era, statistically. He was pretty mediocre. Now, does that tell the whole story?
2: Of course, of course not.
3: Course not. Yes! He, did, he did. He did have the drive. Where in the AFC? Seth, are you? Did you just he, fall down a well? What happened? <laughs> I I, don't, I I probably did something wrong. Do okay, I sound well, bad now? Okay. hold on. So Seth, I don't know.
1: If, if, I don't even know if people can hear Seth right now. Nate, are you hearing Seth? at a much quieter volume. Yeah, yeah but right, I so am yeah, hearing him at a quieter volume.
2: But like that's kind of that's kind of my point. Like I have to go. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Seth, you do have to go. Get out of that well that you just. Fell into the John Elway just cut your wires or something.
2: That's oh, that's un, unexcusable. that's just unexcusable. I mean, he he always you know this is our show, guys. For better or for worse, 200, <laughs> 200 these, episodes, two hundred of these. Uh, <sighs> again, my pushback is, I don't think he ever had a great team, and that might be saying something. Um, I
1: just would like to say this as my final as my final words here. Seinfeld only had 180 episodes. Ooh. Not only, let's say, not only is Eli Manning John Elway, we are better than Seinfeld. In terms, it's of just the stats. It's, <laughs> it's
2: just,
1: just the, the facts, set. man. Uh, it's we're better than Seinfeld. Eli Manning's better than John Elway, and every quarterback who's ever played professional football is better than Troy Aikman. I just feel I- like there's some simple facts here that we should all be able to accept.
2: Is it is it fair t- for me to suggest that the 1998 Denver Broncos are the best team John Elway played on, and that was also the last Broncos team he played on? I think you can make a legitimate argument for that, and yes, when you need... like, There's just something... Yes, statistically, he was not as consistent as you would like, but I do think over time... And here's my, are you ready for my phrase, Seth? Are you, are you ready for my phrase, yeah. Seth, from, from beyond and Josh? Yeah. Seth Seth, <laughs> the Ouija board. I'll, I'll get it to him somehow. But when the lights came on, boys, I don't have to worry about John Elway. I don't have to worry about two minutes left on the clock. I, I like, I really don't. Like, in the mid-90s. Probably their worst playoff loss is when they lost to the Jaguars. But now we look back at that Jaguars team and was like, they kind of had better skill position players than the Broncos outside of, like, sharp. That's a different time and place. The loss to the Jets is also, like, just comically bad uh, because those are both home playoff losses, right as, like, Mike Shanahan is, like, trying to get this thing off the ground, like, in a real legitimate way. He took Dan Reeves to the Super Bowl, guys. I don't know what you want me to say. But what I want he, you to say is that he's won three Super Bowls like
1: the greatest quarterback of all time, <laughs> Trey Aikman, did. Call me when he has 100% of Troy Aikman Super Bowl
2: rings, I guess. That's what I want you to this say. Is, this is the punchline that everybody knew we were going, right? Right? Um, I just can't believe on a Chiefs podcast I have to defend John Elway. But this is what you've asked me to do because I watched it with my own eyes. And you're going to give me him and Boomer Esiason? Him <laughs> and uh, Warren Moon, who, by the way, Warren Moon was great, but like, also, oh, had, no! also oh no, also never had, by the way, by the way, also never had great teams. Um, that, I was going to ask you who caveat. your hall
1: of fame quarterback is going to be that you beef with. Cause I got Eggman and he's got Elway. I did not think it was going to be Warren
2: Moon. The one that, the one that I were really, the one that I really thought about this discussion was like, would I take him over Jim Kelly? And ladies and gentlemen, Ooh, that is tough. That's tough. I would still take John Elway. Just from his physical trait. From... I just... I just would. Maybe I'm too close. Maybe this is my bias coming out on a microphone. But, I mean, he's not Dan Marino. I mean, let's let's be real. (laughs) Have you seen Dan Marino highlights? Good God. By the way, Dan Marino is the greatest quarterback who had replacement level players at literally every position. Yeah. It's it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. He ain't now look, I can say that Dan Marino is unequivocally great. And so is John Elway, and that's okay. We don't have to say John Elway sucks, because you know that's not true. You saw the games like you know that's not true. He beat a Brett Favre defending championship team in better circumstances or more equal circumstances than what Tom Brady did with the Buccaneers just a couple years ago. So weird that we're ending the show here, but you are forgetting that 1997 Super Bowl because it's, it's really good. <laughs> like that game is awesome and John Elway played really really well in it and then they repeated it the next year which by the way for any team in NFL history you repeat as champions that elevates you in a whole different category and that is where Troy Aikman gets a lot of his benefit and boost and it's also you also have to apply that to Troy Aikman you just or excuse me you have to apply that to John Elway you just have to you just have to I'm sorry Jim Kelly didn't beat the Cowboys just didn't happen you know it, it, I, it's unfortunate that the field goal with the Giants is what we always remember, because it's the last thing we saw in that game. I, I get it. Like, Damarino Marino went to one Super Bowl and didn't get to go back. It's just, you know, it happens. But, John Elway was great. Like, I will say that. And that's okay, Chiefs fans. You, 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 that's okay. You can hear it. Like, like he didn't suck. <laughs> You hated him because he was better than your quarterback. And that's what you don't want to say out loud. But I just call me when he did. does thirty three percent of our podcast episodes. Well I can't I can't I can't be there, but you're Yeah. Yeah.
0: Win a third ring. <laughs>